God's work displayed. Yes, and we are back to the podcast, God's Work Displayed. Thanks to my oldest son, Gideon, for the little intro. He was a little nervous about that, but I think he did a great job. And I like to try to get my kids involved with this if I can. Uh, I view this as a ministry to those with severe and profound intellectual disabilities, but also to the church and to those listening in a way that we can... um, Spur one another on to good works, as we're encouraged in Scripture. So today, we're going to be talking about the fancy word, or the fancy phrase, Imago Dei, which for everybody else who doesn't speak Latin on a regular basis, that means the image of God. So before we get started, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into the discussion of what the Imago Dei is and what that means for us. Let's pray. Gracious Father, you are ruler over heaven and earth. You are the maker of all things, and you have made us in your image, and for that we can be ever grateful. Lord, help us to picture in our minds as we work through these passages and through your teaching and your scripture that we can think of our brothers and sisters who are not like us, but yet are made in your image. And so that makes them holy and sacred in some degree. And that we are encouraged to love them as a response to our love and gratefulness to you. Let us be open to your Spirit's prompting and how we can serve one another and how we can open up our hearts and our homes to one another to declare the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the image of God. And for this discussion, this is not going to be nearly as in-depth as the section in my book. Um, That was a lot of research, a lot of thinking, uh, a lot of thinking I'm still working through. And I feel like if anybody's out there who's a... uh, editor and would like to edit my book for pro bono uh write me up i'd be glad to let you have at it um but uh, that was a lot of intense research that i think helped me personally but i'm not sure if all the nitty-gritty will be helpful to um someone who has not spent uh, a lot of time reading a lot of theological works or getting into hebrew or greek but I will uh, commend one book. It's kind of dense, so not everybody will be great, uh, be helpful for it. But um, one book that helped me kind of formulate, um, and this was a book assigned from to me in one of my classes at seminary, was Anthony Hokema's. I hope I said this his name right. Anthony Hokema's created in God's image, uh, and I'm very thankful to that book uh, for helping me kind of formulate some things. There were several other. People, uh, authors that I list in the book that help me formulate, um, and so those are those sightings are available in there. So, the Imago Dei, the image of God, and I apologize if I flip back and forth between that, uh, but hey, it's not that hard to say, so everybody can learn that phrase. the The image of God is a big, big theme throughout all of Scripture, and it's very important for us to understand. One of the things about understanding that is because the 
image of God is what helps us understand why each person is important. Because there are a lot of people who would agree that every person is important, but when they get down to it, um, it's for either their value based on what they can contribute to society or what they contribute to that person or um, just kind of a very humanistic reason of everybody's human, but then how do you define what human is? And then that gets into some uh, reductionistic thought in terms of materialism. So that's a lot of other theology or philosophy we're not going to get into. But for us, uh, this is a concept that is constantly brought forth before the reader in the Bible. And uh, so whoever was hearing scripture early on would have known that was meant to them, still meant to us. Every person that we meet is made in the image of God. No matter how they look, how they sound, how they act, each person is made in the image of God. And that's intensely important to let it sink deep in, to let it, to let it take root in us. Because every person I ever met that has severe, profound, intellectually dis, uh, disability, when I first met them, they look nothing like me. They don't think like me. They don't sound like me. They don't like the same things that I like. Now, that, that one's not always true, but most people, because I'm kind of weird, so that's why... Um, they just were interested in different things. That's not a big deal. But really, when you meet somebody with an intellectual disability, that severely, severe and profound intellectual disability, let me clarify that, um, they're typically not going to look like you. Now, I, most of us that, I, that are probably listening to this, most of us are in fairly decent physical health, I would say. There are some of you that would be listening that maybe are not, and that's okay. Um, I'm just kind of trying to speak to the majority. And for myself, I've been fortunate that the Lord has blessed me with pretty good health. Um, very minor health issues ever in my life. So, of course, somebody with intellectual disability, severe and profound, has not only those intellectual disabilities, but basically they're going, they're going to have a host of other physical ailments going on, chronic ailments. And that's just usually how, um, typically because these are birth defects or genetic anomalies or a host of other, or even early childhood injuries. Uh, if it's early enough, it will be classified as a severe, profound intellectual disability, like a brain injury of some sort. Um, they, they would fall into this classification and typically along with that comes a lot of other physical ailments. So that being said, pretty much everyone I ever worked with uh, at the place where I got my most experience with this, uh, with this population was in a wheelchair, or if they were not in a wheelchair, they had a very funny gait, which is the way, gait is how you describe how you walk. Um, most were not very verbal. Uh, many were, were nonverbal, we call nonverbal. All communicate. That's something you have to remember. But a lot were nonverbal. Some were very minimal verbal skills, and it was hard to understand. So you had to be very patient to understand, listen to them. 
Um, they couldn't move their hands or their arms or their toes or their fingers like you or I. They, they would have little tics or little idiosyncrasies that you just thought were odd. Uh, they made jerking motions. Some would cuss you out just because that's just the words they knew. Um, some would smile at you all the time. Some would frown at you all the time. Some would throw things at you. Some would try to hurt you. Uh, actually, this sounds like a lot of coworkers of mine. Uh, just kidding. Um, and a lot of these people, um, because of, of the, some of the physical issues that, that accompany this, they would look different. Um, the, their facial structure, um, but also their physical structure would just look different. And so a lot of these people could not feed themselves, so they either had to have somebody feed feed them um, with like a spoon, scooping up the food and putting it in the mouth. Some people could not safely swallow, so they were on what we call G-tubes, and in rare cases, J-tubes. Um, some would have to have tra- uh, tracheostomies. You know, uh, a lot of them required somebody to change them, like like uh, like diapers, essentially, uh, and to roll them every two hours to keep them from getting um, all kinds of skin breakdown. And it goes on and on. And so I remember the first time I met, I came in to the job. I mean, the first, I, yeah, it just it was a little shocking to me. Um, I was not quite prepared for that, but something was there. I would never have denied that they were fellow human beings. But I may have not necessarily loved them as I loved other image bearers that looked more like me. And so I had to deal with that internally. And that's something I think a lot of us have to struggle with, is that we have to acknowledge that they are image bearers. And how do we know that? How do we know that they're engineers? Well, they're descended from other humans, other people, and we're all come from Adam and Eve. And so God made Adam and Eve to bear his image. And so we're going to look at Scripture to see that. And we're going to see, Scripture's going to kind of tell us who is an image bearer, what is it, and what does it mean to be an image bearer of God, of the, the creator of of all things, the maker of heaven and earth. So we're going to read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. I use the New American Standard Version, so if it sounds a little different in your version, that's that's just why I just use that version. Um, so if you want to follow along with me, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. <clears throat> then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see that there is a creation of, of man and woman, and specifically God says they will be made in our image according to our likeness. And I'm not going to get into all the nitty-gritties here. You can buy my book and read that if you want. <laughs> Plug. So, but what we see is, is this creation, and he gives them some jobs. We can also read further, and I think this is important, is the, the Shema which is kind of, and Jesus sums this up 
later on in the Gospels, the, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, uh, with all your body, with all your being, essentially. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to translate that accurately into English. Uh, and then to love your neighbor, uh, love, love others likewise, you know. Um, so it's first love God deeply with all of who you are, and then from the outgrowth of that love will flow to the love of, of your neighbor, which is everyone else. And in a later episode, we'll, we'll talk about the Good Samaritan and how that applies, but not necessarily this time around. We, we'll hint at it, but we won't get into it uh, yet. So <clears throat> we see that, that there's this, this deep-seated love, and throughout the Old Testament, um, we also see this, this idea of, of a dominion. And a lot of people misunderstand this dominion it's not like to to just destroy and just show your power and how awesome you are and how and how magnificent you are. That's not the whole thing. We're to be good stewards. Um, we don't really in the United States. If if you're from the United States, uh, you may not be too familiar with the concept of like a vice regency or or a vizier, um, but that is kind of an idea of the ruler has given you. Um, pretty much total power up to a certain extent or total authority up to a certain extent where it doesn't get into challenging his authority. Um, so you have rule over whatever that area is that he's giving you rule over. And that's kind of what's happening in this. And, and we see that repeated throughout the Old Testament is this, you are to be my my little governors. I'm the king and you're the governors of this, this planet. And you are to rule in such a way as I would rule because I'm your maker. And throughout the Old Testament we'll see this, this concept of justice, equity, care for those who cannot care for themselves. And that is what a good king does, is he provides that care. And so what we are seeing is that God is establishing that as an idea of this is who the Emmy are, that they are good mini-kings, little kings, sub-kings, as me, as I am. Um, and Hokema also kind of declare, clears this up uh, in, in that. Now, I'm just going to really briefly summarize what Hokema says. He says that the image of God is, is, is two parts, okay? So, and, and really we see this kind of hinted at in Genesis. The first one one idea is what he calls the structure, okay, and that's kind of a more technical language. He's going to use structure and function. Structure is kind of what somebody is born with in terms of gifts, abilities, endowments, you know, that kind of idea. What, what we're able to do. Uh, the other part is function, and that is the part of our image bearing that is to how our, we relate to God, how we relate to other people, and how we act. On, on our situation with our gifts, abilities, and endowments. And so the primary aspect, you can't separate them, but the primary aspect is the function, which is how we relate to God, how we relate to other people, and how we act on our situation with our gifts and abilities. And then the second is our gifts and abilities. Well, that's really important when we think about somebody with an intellectual disability. Their most important aspect is how they relate to God and then how they relate to other people. 
That is very, very important to how we understand the rest of kind of this podcast, the book, how we, the ministry that we have towards people with severe and profound intellectual disabilities. The most important relationship they have, most important aspect of who they are, is their relationship with God. Guess what? That's also true for you and I. The second most important attribute to the image bearer is how we relate to other people. Person with intellectual disability, that's the second most important part. You and I, that's the second most important part. First God, then others. And then we have to utilize our gifts and abilities to further those relationships. So in that case, it's to serve God, to glorify Him, to see that His name is honored, and then to care for one another. When you meet somebody with an intellectual disability, they want to relate to you. They want to matter to you. How, when you meet somebody new, you want to relate to them. You want to connect with them. You want to matter to them. We want the same things. Just because somebody has a slightly lower IQ than you doesn't mean that they're less important. That's what we're seeing in this, is that they are a person with a severe and profound intellectual disability is just as important as you, and they have a place on this earth. God made them for his purposes. You remember in the last podcast, we talked about John 9. This is how we're going to start connecting all these things. God allowed that man to be born blind so that his works might be displayed in him. God has allowed these people with in severe and profound intellectual disabilities to be created, to be made, to be born, to display his works in them. They have a purpose, just as you and I do. But we have to also recognize that none of us uh, lives out this purpose per perfectly. You know, we're all sinner sinners. We are desperately, desperately separated from God because of our sin. We cannot live out the image bearing that we are called to do perfectly. The good news for us is that there has been one image bearer that lived it perfectly, and that was Jesus. He lived perfectly as a human. He really and since Jesus lived perfectly as a human, then he was able to pay the penalty for sin that we couldn't. So he was a perfect, unblemished sacrifice. So Jesus lived the life as an image bearer as we should have, and then he died the death that we deserved but didn't have to. And so he suffered the full wrath of God, and he died on the cross for our sins. And then he arose three days later, triumphing over sin and death. And now he sits at the right hand of God, and he is our mediator. And so he is the perfect image bearer, and he cared deeply for other image bearers. So we can look to that and see, okay, how is the perfect image bearer living? That's how we need to be. And so he didn't care what your disability was. He reached out to people of all sorts to love them and to care for them and appoint them to God the Father. So, obviously we can't live perfectly, but we can try to be more perfect. So, I want us to start thinking, though, not just about our own personal thing, because that's how we typically live, though, is, hey, how am I going to you know, be better? 
that's important in terms of uh, trying to be more Christ-like, but how can we encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to be better image bearers? And more specifically, how can we encourage brothers and sisters in Christ who are dealing with severe and profound intellectual disabilities to be better image bearers? How are they living out? How can we rejoice in the, the way that God has made them? How can we help them to live fully as image bearers, as they can help us live fully as image bearers? So one of the things that we first need to understand, and I used, I've been using this term, severe and profound intellectual disabilities, but I haven't really uh, defined it. So I want to I use a couple definitions that I found previously to help define it to help us understand better what what it looks like if you've never worked with somebody or lived with somebody or been around anybody with one of these conditions. Um, and so I'm very thankful to uh, James Morrison, who um, wrote a little bit about how what it means, you know, kind of gave a definition, and to Eric Carter in his book and so James Morrison he made he wrote a book or uh, the DSM-5 made easy the clinician's guide to diagnosis and in the section about severe and profound intellectual disabilities he describes the severe rating as though these people may learn simple commands or instructions communication skills are rudimentary under supervision they may be able to perform simple jobs they maintain personal relationships with relatives but require supervision for all activities. They need even need help with dressing and personal hygiene. Um, and then he goes on to describe profound intellectual disability as with limited speech and only rudimentary capacity for social interaction, much of what these individuals' uh, communication may be through gestures. They rely completely on other people for their needs, including activities of daily living, though they may help in simple chores. Profound ID usually results from a serious neurological disorder, which often carries with it sensory or motor disabilities. And then Eric Carter, I mentioned him, he wrote a book called Including People with Disabilities in Faith Communities, a Guide for Service Providers, Families, and Congregations. Now, he, now that I will say that book primarily focuses on mild and moderate, as is most cases, but... Um, he does. He kind of gives a little more detail. He refers to developmental disabilities, and just talks about how uh, individuals will need a lot of help. Um, and so we we think that oh, I'm going to help. So so what happens is people who serve uh, in this area will think that they're serving, and and they do it for good reasons. Uh, I'm not. Dispersion, but what happens is that we oftentimes begin serving people and thinking that they can't serve us, they can't do anything for us. Now, if you're working, basically, most people end up getting paid by Medicaid or or private insurance, and particularly with Medicaid, there's certain rules, and essentially, they would call making having somebody serve you would be exploitation. Uh, that's mostly because the powers that be don't understand the Imago Day. They don't understand the need of people to serve others. And so 
one of the things we have to try to explore is how can somebody that needs so much help with so many things, how can they, one, relate to God, two, how can they relate to you or I, and three, how can they serve and care for others? How can they use their gifts and abilities to to enrich the lives of other people? So oftentimes, um, we ignore the need of each person to connect with God, particularly people with severe and profound intellectual disabilities. But let me tell you, they are suffering a lot of pain, and God understands them. He knows them. He, and guess what? The beauty of this is, is that a lot of them cannot speak. They can't even sometimes form um, a full thought because of the pain, because of just some of the disabilities they have. But, but God in His infinite mercy still can meet with them, can still connect with them, can understand what they need and what they want. But guess what? These people with severe and profound intellectual disabilities are also sinners. So first of all, the first thing we can do to serve them and to help them be more fully human, to, to fully realize the Imago Dei, is for them to hear the gospel and to receive Jesus. We all need this. This is the only way that we can be fully human is to trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing you can do is to declare the gospel to them. But guess what? One time, it's typically not going to work. Now, the Holy Spirit can change a person's heart in an instant, and I will not deny the power that God uses to change people's hearts. And it is amazing power that He can regenerate dead hearts. But He typically doesn't do miraculous things like that because He wants us to grow in faithfulness to Him. So His messengers, He calls to be faithful in declaring the message and preaching it to all nations and to all people. So this means repeated very clear. Um, I want to say simple, but not necessarily simple, but but the basics, the essentials of, of the gospel message. So lots of time sharing the gospel, lots of time making it clear and rep- repetition, and also making it clear that you care about them. Because guess what? That's truth in any case, anybody. That they're not going to be open to hearing the gospel if they think you're, if you are treating them as a project have to care about people we have to love god and then we love people deeply because we love the maker of that image bearer so taking time so that's how they can begin to relate to god better okay now you may encounter some believers who who are have severe and profound intellectual disabilities and praise god and guess what they're going to teach you a lot so you better be ready to learn to be humble and able to to be taught because they're going to teach us teach us how to to live the next thing is we we've got to help them learn how to relate to other people well some of that's just going to be spending time that's going to be connecting with each other and it's okay giving them permission to disagree with you and to not necessarily think that you have the best ideas you know um Maybe you're like, hey, let's go bowling because there are some ways you can go bowling, you know, that have modifications and stuff. And they're like, no, I don't want to go bowling. Now they may communicate it as uh, shaking the head. They may throw something at you. That's okay. 
whatever their communication method is that's safe, then go with that. They can disagree with you. If there's no harm in them, then let them disagree with you. It's not a big deal. Get over yourself. Um, but also, love them for it. Spend time learning how they communicate. Spend time listening to them. Okay? So that's that's how we're going to relate. Well, what what do they have to offer? What does somebody that's stuck in a wheelchair that can't that's nonverbal has the cognitive ability of an 18-month-old and uh, has to be fed through a feeding tube every day and requires a gazillion meds and requires intensive therapy most days. And you have to change, essentially, a diaper. You have to bathe them. You have to wipe their mouth because they're drooling. You have to comb their hair. You have to brush their teeth. What can they offer you? Gosh. Why are you speaking like that? No, it's tough. It's it's tough. They can offer you a lot. Okay? I spent five years working with people like this. I am nowhere an expert in this field. But I learned a lot. First of all, really helped me understand what Jesus was doing when he washed the disciples' feet before the Last Supper. He was submitting himself to serve. He wanted his people to serve and to do the jobs that people didn't want to do. It's, you know, it's one thing to change a tiny baby's diaper. It's another thing to change an 80-year-old man's diaper who has legs that are kind of curled up and um, he weighs uh, 150 pounds and you have to get him up on his bed with the help of another person and he might be cussing at you. But he just is mad about his circumstances, or maybe he just that's just he likes to cuss. What he's teaching us though is through a lot of different things. So each person has a different thing to teach us. That one might be, I'm gonna teach you some perseverance. <laughs> Another lady I worked with, that one actually is kind of a conglomeration of a couple of men I worked with. Uh, one lady I worked with, sweet lady, and I think she was a believer. It's hard to tell. Um, it's hard to determine based on the evidences of grace. We will talk about that later on. And um, she had a lot of pain. She had what's called um, spasticity and... So a lot of tone, and so spasticity is kind of like where your muscles kind of jerk and move, the way, not necessarily the way you want them to, and tone means a lot of tightness, and so, um, uh, you know, <clears throat> she she didn't necessarily like physical therapy or occupational therapy, well, or even speech, honestly, um, but I love that lady, and but she would be in pain a lot of times. And I know that um, she would like to talk about church and she would like to talk about God. 
and she wanted to know you were praying for her, and she was open to being prayed with. And so I think that she knew that God could hear her and cared about her, and that even in the midst of all her pain and her suffering, that she could pray, and she could pray a lot and cry out to God. And so she was teaching, she was enriching my life by reminding me that God listens to our prayers. I had another lady. She was actually, we had debates about if she would be classified as severe or or if she was in another category. Smart, uh, seemed to be more uh, cognitively uh, higher functioning than some of the other um, people living at that place. She had a lot of... um, uh, a lot of se- uh, pretty serious seizure disorder, and um, but you know she was sassy, <laughs> and she was very relatable, and she really enriched our lives by being funny, by telling jokes, by making us laugh, by um, not putting up with our baloney. You know, if she didn't like something, she told us she didn't like it, and she she was her own person. And so she didn't allow us to to bully her. I mean, not that we bully, but to, she, if she was going to agree to something, it was because she agreed to it and not because people wanted her to do it. Um, another guy that just had a good old time. He just enjoyed having a good time, smiling, bringing joy to people, helping us see that there are good things even in the midst of suffering. Even in the midst of having people do all these things for us where we couldn't do it, they can't do it themselves, they, they show us joy in the midst of all this. And so there's so much richness in, in the lives of people with intellectual disabilities that, that we are really missing out when we just think that they're they're there to be served and not to serve us. Now, I don't mean that I expected anybody to bring anybody to to bring me a coffee or to uh, to do my work for me, but they were a joy to work with, and they made they made kind of a miserable situation sometimes uh, really really fun. And so, I, I want us to start seeing that when people are looking different, acting different that they're still image bearers. They still matter. They're still made and created by the one who created all things, and he specifically created humanity as his image bearer. He didn't choose any other living thing on the planet to be the bearer of his image and his likeness. He chose humanity. It makes us different than everything else. It makes us special and unique. That's why we say we have souls. It's kind of this eternality that that is like God, is that foreverness of of us. And so, as we we engage with people with severe and profound intellectual disabilities, as we invite them into our church communities, we have to remember that they are fellow image bearers. And a little taste of what we eventually discuss, and some of the we'll get into the nuts and bolts of this at some point, but as we bring uh, 
people with intellectual disabilities into our membership of our churches. And I hope that your church takes membership seriously, uh, just like the early church did. Um, that you will put the responsibilities of membership also on them because that means that they are fully image bearers in Christ. Okay, we can't let people off because we don't think they're not capable of handling it. If we if they can't handle the membership, then maybe your membership rules are off kilter or you don't actually have a good understanding of them being fellow image bearers. So when we we say that they're let's say we're they're going to be our member fellow members in our church, that means that we've got to find a way for them to participate in the ordinances, the baptism and the Lord's Supper. And there are workarounds that we'll, we can talk about at some point. We also have to recognize that they, I'm assuming uh, you, your membership has to have uh, something about how they serve others. The New Testament certainly does with all the one another, serve one another, prefer one another, love one another. We have to have that in, in there, bear one another's burdens. And so how can they serve the body? You know, how how can they do that? How can somebody with severe profound intellectual disability serve the local congregation? And that's something we have to think through. And But it is required if they're going to be full members. Also, dis, uh, discipline. Are we willing to rebuke and admonish our brother and sister in Christ who has severe and profound intellectual disability? Because... Let me tell you, they need it just as much as you and I. They need to grow into Christ-likeness just like you and I. And if we don't view them as deserving to grow in Christ-likeness, then are, are we really understanding who they are in Christ, who they are as made in the image of God? So these are a lot of things to think about. It's kind of an unusual thing, I think, that we, we don't bring to the forefront sometimes that... We are all fellow image bearers, but I think it's vitally important for us to remember that as we go out uh, and follow the Great Commission to, to declare to all people that what Christ has done, that he's lived perfect life. He died the death that we each deserve as sinners, and he has defeated sin and death and rose from the grave three days later and now sits at the right hand of God. To remember that. If you're hearing this and you don't trust in Jesus, I urge you to trust in him, to recognize that you are a sinner and you need him, and turn to him. You can email me if you have questions, if you're not comfortable with talking to somebody you know, godsworkdisplayed at gmail.com. Email me. Get in contact with me. I'm glad to talk to you about that. But as the rest as believers, we're, we're working through these issues. We've got to remember that they're image bearers. Each person we interact, that's going to come into play with a lot of the current stuff with ra racial issues, with socio-demographic issues, with class distinctions. All that has to do with image bearing. We are fellow image bearers. And we have to care about people because that's what makes them valuable that they are made in the image of God. So, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, just reminding everybody to, to love one another as image bearers of God, to 
call them unto Christ and to take time to get to know and to love and care for one another. Loving God deeply first off. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm glad that we're now on Apple iTunes. Um, took a while to get that all started, and I think everyone that started listening, subscribing, please, if you like this, uh, rate and review, subscribe, tell friends, family, um, strangers, uh, your church family, your pastor, the deacons, however your hierarchical structure is in your church. Um, let them let them know. I've got a web page. Uh, God's work displayed because I'm not very creative. So you can go to that, like that, follow. I'll try to keep you updated on stuff. Um, I've got some things coming down the pipe that I'm kind of excited about. I uh, got an early uh, um, release uh, of a book coming out. It's going to be a book uh, that is written for the Eastern Orthodox um, believer. And so I'm still working through it. It's kind of odd for me as a Reformed Protestant guy to <laughs> Baptist guy to, to read through that because it's kind of uh, some of it's a little off for me but it's got some really good stuff it's really well written um, so I'm going to find out get permission from the author to maybe do a book review on here I'm going to hopefully write a review for her and um, and she might be even recommending my book to some people with some caveats kind of um, <laughs> same caveats I would give to you all in regards to this book um and I hope to do some other book reviews in the near future. There are a couple of good books I came across, uh, not specifically about severe and profound intellectual disabilities, but about some other disabilities. I might do some book reviews in the future about some books that were not so good, um, that were unbiblical. Uh, but yeah, so there's some good things coming down the pipe. So uh, I appreciate everybody that's uh, promoting and encouraging you to listen. Um, please, please email me again at God's Work Displayed. No, um, it's at gmail.com. There's no apostrophe in that, just one word. And, uh, you know, if you think that it's my, I'm crummy, or you think it's great, or you think, hey, you can improve on this, or I really want to know about this, send me questions, um, send me comments, and I'll get back to you as quick as I can. And I appreciate you listening. So thanks so much, and uh, go with God. Bye.